0: Hey listeners, welcome to The Intelligent Conversations, where we believe that everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. We invite guests from various backgrounds to share with you what makes them unique. Our hope is that you and I can learn and grow together. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to speak with Asher Lobb. Asher is a musician that plays the electric violin. He has done concerts at Carnegie Hall, Madison Square Garden, and the Lincoln Center. Asher also composes his own music, which is not an easy feat. That is really cool. So Asher, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate you taking the time to come talk with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, I'd love to have you. But this is a question I usually open up with. What got you started into music? What got you to pick up that electric violin and say, you know what, I'm going to start playing
1: well uh, I started with an acoustic classical violin I'm classically trained and that transitioned i'm i'm gonna say the electric violin came way later in my in my career um actually it became in the beginning of my career when I was about twenty when I was in uh nineteen i'm gonna say nineteen when I moved to New York for college uh and I hit the professional scene I picked up the ele- i brought in the electric violin as part of my repertoire i found it was it kept, caught on pretty quickly but it's the acoustic classical background and and training that that is pretty much the precursor to the whole electric violin phenomenon
0: whatever you want to call it that's cool so was there like a point I guess the question I'm kind of getting at is what got you interested in music what was kind of that first thing where you're like hey I, I really enjoy this I like getting like music I like this type of yeah Thing
1: so too. i because i started you know to and change uh I, I don't think i i was necessarily thinking or reasoning okay uh the violin is really something i should be working on at this point because 20 years down the road i might be able to make a career out of it that wasn't the intention <laughs> uh it definitely didn't occur to me even when i was like 17 18 in high school uh it happened like the year before i got accepted to college in new york and and moved there and and In audition, but uh, I I did look up to my brother when when I was two, three, um, who was uh, really a fantastic violinist, and and I say was because he doesn't really play much anymore. He kind of gave it up sadly, but he was one of the best violinists I I mean I knew uh, and easily could have made it a career. But he you know he's also I want to talk too much about him, but he's you know wonderful guy Um, who happens to be brilliant in other respects like engineering. So. Um, you know, music is is pretty much part and parcel of my my whole family experience. Everybody plays an instrument, and for me, I, I guess it was just a matter of looking up to to an older sibling, and my That's mother kind of wanting
0: it to happen. So she put a violin in my hand. That's amazing. I, I love that. I I think uh, it's important. We all have those role models that we look up to when. Yeah. When we're, uh, like, uh, especially this. Uh, I I have role models people that you look up to they're like hey you should you should try this And you're like and you respect them one so it's like hey I'm gonna go out and try it like you you think I can good at this let's see what happens mm-hmm. so professional musician that is that's not easy I, I bet how how does one become a professional musician and even I mean I'm looking here perform at very prestigious locations <laughs>
1: Um, well, with a lot of hard work, it's um, <laughs> pretty much everybody would say, and uh, a little bit of luck and um, I guess meeting the right people at the right time and just kind of putting yourself out there, which is half a battle because nobody wants to fail. Right. But and, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's not easy for me to say after I failed so many times that I'm sitting here <laughs> before you. Uh, but but I'm a little less fearful of failing. So so I guess Kind of circumventing that that fear uh, allowed me to open opportunities professionally, and just sort of okay. I don't care if I get rejected by this guy or this big person. Just just schmooze, just get out there, perform, rock out on the violin, do something different. And that that, that doing something different was probably what really pushed my career to the to, to the place it is today. Because you know people um, are, are bombarded by media and by social media, mm-hmm. and there's always something unique uh coming their way so it's really just sort of like a battle for attention and if you're doing something that they they find to be meaningful and enjoyable in this case an instrument that i happen to play Mm -hmm. well and then kind of adding a twist to it uh i guess
0: that's that's more or less how it all happened that's my theory (laughs) what's (laughs) no that's an excellent theory and what what's the twist to that you think kind of separates you from other musicians Um, I'm going to say a good portion of it is the improvisation,
1: but like skilled improv. There's a lot of messy (laughs) improvisers out there that a lot of people that play sort of like the gypsy classical improv style that clearly shows they're still stuck in classical land um, versus the, you know, like the the authentic jazz or even pop improvisational style um that shows that you're clearly rooted in classical but you're not stuck in that genre like you're able Mm -hmm. to kind of smoothly transition from one genre to the next and i think that's just a matter of practice and being exposed to other musicians who know how to play a hell of a lot better than you in this case me (laughs) meaning (laughs) meaning i i had the opportunity to play with people who were way way better than me and i just sort of like look up to them and I learn from them. I'm constantly learning from them. And I've adapt, adapted and adopted their styles into my uh, my violin playing. And as a result, I've changed, like, the inflections and the, 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 the style, the pressure in which I play each
0: note, that type of stuff. I just threw a lot awesome. at you. But <laughs> no, no, that's a lot to take apart there. And yeah. so kind of a theme I'm picking up here is there, there's a lot of fear, right, that at the beginning, right, or putting yourself out there i think a lot of people especially they they kind of struggle to put themselves out there or they struggle to just overcome that fear if you Mm -hmm. had to give them suggestion on how to do that what would be that suggestion to you'd make i really actually
1: have to think about this one uh, because i generally don't i guess i guess that's the problem is thinking too much overthinking just sort Mm -hmm. of jumping off the cliff, you know, if you will, you know, like, don't worry about the consequences. What's the worst mm-hmm. that can happen? You know, somebody will exactly. sneer at you or, or laugh at you. Like what's, I guess that can be harmful, uh, emotionally, but if you just sort of see things from a different perspective that, okay, look, life's pretty damn short. If you think mm-hmm. about it in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and that's the perspective I came to about eight years ago, which I can tell you about a little later. But if you take that approach of, Nobody's going to remember this moment, this horribly embarrassing moment of rejection. Not a, uh, a year from now, a month from now, tomorrow, nobody's going to remember, nobody's going to care. Mm-hmm. And something some, somebody once told me, I'm going to say when in high school, when everybody, all your peers are just like so self-conscious, um, you feel like you're under a microscope. He said, um, you know, whenever you feel self-conscious, whenever you feel uncomfortable, Realize that nobody actually cares. Everybody else thinks that the microscope's on them. You know, everybody else is under a ma- magnifying glass when you think that you're under a mag- magnifying glass, and it's everything just seems amplified. So it's all just a matter of perspective and perception.
0: So I, I like I like how you said that you just kind of throw yourself in. I have this saying where it's just throw yourself in the deep end. Like you'll fir- you'll figure out how to swim eventually, right? Or you, you drown, but. Hopefully you don't do that. (laughs) And even
1: if you do, in this case, in the the case of entertainment, okay, fine. So, like, I don't know, your pants fell down on stage in front of a thousand people. I mean, that's horrendously embarrassing. But how many people are going to remember that unless you're on national television, millions and millions of people see. even if that were the case, how many people are going to remember that moment? A few months down the road. It'll be something people crack a joke about. And maybe if they see you and you're like a famous artist on stage, they'll be like, oh, I remember him. But if anything, that benefits you, because it's like everybody's going to remember you. And you know, that crazy exactly. story
0: that his pants fall down on stage. Yeah. Usually it plays to your benefit, too. Right. Like you said, <laughs> like if a thousand people, yeah, they'll remember you. Right. And they'll be like, oh, that's the musician. He had this. And they almost think. And if you just kind of have that perspective to almost make fun of yourself and realize, hey, no one's perfect, right? Everyone's out there making mistakes. You'll realize that you almost, it's almost like confidence. You'll, you'll realize, oh, like everyone else messes up. I might as well just try and see what happens. And that's, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. But I'm kind of interested to hear your story here. What?
1: Yeah. So actually what comes to mind is an embarrassing story in front of, I'm going to say about a thousand people. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was about 1000 people in Manhattan. I was in high school, it was a competition, it was a big concert, and it was just a bunch of like people around my age, so that's even more pressure. You know, if it's like people in their, mm. their 70s, 80s, it's not it's, I don't know, somehow yeah. like cognitively <laughs> the psychology of it is that okay, I'm not as stressed out, they're not as judgmental, but people your age and then like a bunch of pretty women in the audience, that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is before I was married, honey, if you're watching this show. Uh, happily married with two kids, by the way. Uh, That's awesome. I was like, I, I, I was about to go up. I, I was on stage, and somebody uh, was introducing me and my my band, and uh, the guy just didn't look behind him. He stepped back on my fifteen hundred dollar bow. Might have been two thousand, but minimum fifteen hundred. It was it was like an heirloom type of bequeathed to me situation. And I was first of all furious, but I was also freaking out because we were just about to play, and my bow was broken. So, I in my infinite level of, of awkwardness. I got up to the mic and I was like, Hey, does everybody happen to have a violin bow in the audience? Cause mine just broke. So I guess the way I'm saying it now, it doesn't sound so awkward, but it was just like, and people are just started laughing. Like this is so embarrassing to me. Cause I, and I kind of like laughed at myself, but I, I needed a bow. <laughs> like, I know one's going to have a bow in the audience, but I actually, I'm trying to remember what happened next. There might've been one violinist who lent me his bow at that time. Cause I did end up playing the show. Uh, and it wasn't with that $1,500 bow, and I didn't have an extra one. So it might have actually been for a good purpose. <laughs> Dang. Worked out in the wow. end. Wow. Yeah, that was embarrassing.
0: <laughs> oh, I bet. that. Yeah, to kind of just go around. It's good you've eventually found a bow. And I think that's also evidence there is there's a lot of helpful people out there, too. They'll realize, oh, he needs some help. Like, I was embarrassed once. I, I'm not going to let him get as embarrassed and stuff. And that's the thing. People are compassionate. And they're kind. They'll most most people are and they'll they'll help you out and yeah try and ease ease some of the embarrassment but hey embarrassment uh, kind of on that note it's kind of necessary because during those embarrassing moments those tough times it's really the only time we kind of learn right we learn how to uh, handle how we handle situations when we're stressed yeah we learn how we handle stress and we learn how we react to other people there's also this saying that i remember Someone tell me it's do you do you respond or do you react? And most people react to the situation. They get mad, right? It's like, oh my gosh, this sucks, this sucks. Mm. But respond, right? Like first responders, they come to respond to the situation, like, all right, this is what's placed in front of me. Like, yes, this happened, but Mm -hmm. let's do something about it. Yeah, yeah. So kind of a, a along those lines and stuff, where you do improv and stuff, is there ever times where you're where you're just sitting there and your mind just goes blank? And you're like, crap, what do I do?
1: Well, so that's, I guess, the beauty of improv. Um, If I were just a classically trained musician and I screwed up, it would be harder to get out of that hole. Um, With improv, I've actually gotten out of that hole because I just follow the chord progression and I'm kind of pretty good at making up crap in the middle (laughs) of (laughs) And I actually just did it yesterday. I did a big, (laughs) I did a show in front of about 500 people, 45 minute show. It was way too long, but the, the. Producers like wanted it to be 45 minutes, and I should have just been like, put my foot down. And said 30 minutes is like way max for me, because nobody should be on the spot for 45 minutes straight unless you have like a nonstop like movement and production. So I had to improvise because they sort of presented it as this. I don't want to. I wanna just get to the crux of the, the, the bottom line. That everybody had eyes on me for 45 minutes straight and I didn't have a show. Like I had a, I had a, like a 45 minute medley. It was like a variety of songs and it was a group. It was a group from, from Poland, wonderful people. Mm -hmm. And like, they're just so much fun. Uh, but because like they kind of expected me to be on stage and just, just watch me. I, I felt like that was unreasonable again for that period of time. So I got down off the stage and I started interacting with them and I started going back and like, And then at a point, like they just started all like dancing and like some of them were going uh, about 50 of them went in a circle around me. And like it just turned into like this dance type concert situation, which was really not at all planned. Uh, And in many respects, it was probably one of the hardest gigs I've done, but it was also a lot of fun. So I don't know. That's the perfect example of improv and how you kind of have to just think in the moment. And I was I knew I knew the music that I put together before the, the concert mm-hmm. but I also had to adapt it to their kind of cultural situation. We're talking like five hundred people from Poland with, with yeah. Polish background. So and I don't really know Polish
0: music, but I learned it pretty damn quickly. So <laughs> improv. Yeah. That, that's that's really cool. That's a skill too. That like I mean you've clearly stated that takes a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication. Yeah
1: oh sorry before you go on, I just want to say I, I just mentioning that context and I said these are wonderful people. I, 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 find, I find that there's a, a real passion for instruments, for just for classical instruments, just for music that, that is beyond what we have in the United States. I find that there's like a certain type of like contagion, I don't know, this like love and appreciation within European circles, within South Asian circles, that we just don't find with the same fervor in the, the United States. Uh, so I just mm-hmm. wanted to mention that.
0: Yeah, that's actually playing kind of into what I was going to ask next. And so, I mean, obviously you're playing for people in Poland, right? And European. So one is, like, I kind of have two questions here. But one is, how do you gain exposure like that worldwide? And then two, why do you think Americans don't have that, you know, interest like you mentioned?
1: because our American culture, it's not Americans. It's not, it's not Polish people. It's not German people. It's not South Asian people. I want to be clear. It's, it is the culture and the powers that influence that culture. And our culture is money, money, money. (laughs) That's, that's in my strong opinion, having lived here my whole life, I think I have a right to have that opinion. It's about money. Um, At least, at least the types of people that I'm exposed to. uh, I guess because I'm in the tri-state, I'm in LA, I'm in Miami. There's just a a huge underpinning. That's the backdrop behind behind everything. And and money, obviously, is important, and it drives things. And you know, you could raise charity with, uh, have charitable organizations, that type of stuff Mm -hmm. with money. But and there's money in Poland too, and across Europe, but. But I, I don't think there's as much of a fixation on that stuff, and I think there's a little more of like a passion and appreciation for, I guess, culture and background. And the mm-hmm. violin's been around for centuries, and so of other instruments. But I guess there's there's this um, what's the word nostalgia? Like the creative
0: space? Or oh, okay,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, we're into creative space here in the U.S. Also with social media. That's I scary. just think we're a little bit more into uh, the hype. And uh, when it comes to music, I feel like the record, the music major record labels, they push that a lot to a large
0: extent because they have the money. You're only good for five years, and then after that, they move on to someone else, type of thing.
1: Yeah, with some exceptions. Yeah, like Bruno Mars and Coldplay, and they're just yeah. you know, unusually good and talented. And but it's like a needle in a haystack. It's hard to play
0: those odds. And so I guess kind of following up on that, how do you gain exposure? How do you, cause I mean, you mentioned social media a little bit. I am guessing that's how you do it, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. How you gain more exposure. I
1: wasn't a heavy social media user when I, when I played Madison square garden years ago, uh, Carnegie hall, I, I was a heavy use, uh, social media user. Um, I don't know how much so, social media helps and it also doesn't help. It's, it can be mm-hmm. a, a blessing and a curse. And I'm fine. I've, I have found that it's done both. For many, many people, um, like once you're kind of hitched, you're kind of stuck. But I also know a lot of successful musicians who haven't touched social media, and I'm actually really genuinely interested in what they've done. And A number of them, like, I don't know if you look at, uh, not David Garrett, Vanessa May. She's not such a heavy social media user, but she's a megastar in Europe, and hmm. she's got some serious management behind her and some serious talent. Uh, these days, social media seems to dominate a lot of different things, uh, and it's a bit of a you know it's a bit bit of a complicated game to win it. A lot of people win it and then fail it, and and frankly, I wouldn't be I, I'm not be am not i am not interested in being one of those people who kind of rises uh, meteoric has a meteoric rise and then and then crashes because that's how a lot of these people end up on drugs and are depressed and it's not fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and social media, unfortunately. I'm going to get punished for this. I don't care anymore. <laughs> they they play off of those fears and off those desires. And it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of sick if you think about it. But it's really just corporate America. It's corporate greed. It's just um, their business. I'm not saying corporations are all bad, guys. Uh, I work for a lot of corporate, a lot of CEOs, but... I'm saying that that there's that element um, that is not so that is not very kind to influencers, and it's it's brutal, and that's why people have social media burnout because they just need a break, and then once they get back, and I literally just scrolled past a post that fascinated me this morning, like an hour ago, Mm -hmm. like one of those reels that that was talking about you know coming back, uh, what is it, disappearing uh, for like a day. Or two, and then coming back, and here I am, ta da! Like big production, because suddenly, because because finally, I like got over my burnout, and now I'm back, and and the, the and the you know the algorithm doesn't favor you anymore because you disappeared, mm-hmm. uh, and that's exactly where the root of burnout is.
0: Yeah, and I think there's also an aspect. I mean, I found this at times where I, when I would post something. I, I, I would post it and I'd be like, okay, let's wait. And then I would end up scrolling. I'd be like, whoa, 20 minutes just went by and it's just time just went out the window. And it's really not like you said, it's not that healthy <laughs> just to be seeing everyone live this perfect life. And the reality is, is we don't see a, the hard work, the behind the scenes, the moments where they're just totally a wreck.
1: Yeah. And I I actually I've I found out about some major artists behind through the grapevine, through some friends who actually know them are associated with them. Like uh, during the pandemic, uh, it's not fair to mention their name, but but one megastar in particular I've always been fascinated with. She always seems happy. Um, She she was on the she was in the hospital and was pretty much about to commit suicide. And and it kind of gives you perspective. And actually, somebody. I'm going to mention in that context somebody who actually did su- commit suicide, who everybody knows about. So I can mention the, the the DJ on Ellen, I think. I don't know if that was a story you encountered. Uh, I don't remember. What was the name of the musician? I, I don't I don't remember his name. Um, but it was a national story, like two weeks ago or something like that. Probably easy hmm. to, easy easy enough to look up for anybody. But uh, you know, a wonderful person who everybody loved, and his girlfriend longtime girlfriend, I think her fiance just didn't even see it coming. Uh, So he might have lost lost money. And maybe he saw that sort of as tanking his career. I don't know. But it's just very sad,
0: you know, state of affairs. So how does one keep kind of that balance? Would you suggest?
1: Well, some people take the plunge and Mm -hmm. others, others are very cautious and they gradually kind of Grow their audience and they just work day to day and they make it a full time thing. It really is a full time dedicated thing. And that's why I gave up three other decrees to do it, because I realized I can't achieve anything significant or or notable or meaningful uh, in terms of just connecting with my fans, uh, in terms of producing the best music that I can produce, in terms of f- helping to fundraise for organizations that are really deeply, me- deeply meaningful for me, such as the one I did yesterday, this concert WOSP. Um, it was live streamed to Poland and they're raising money for basically they do a lot of fundraisers for, uh, you know, people with with inflammatory conditions. Myself being one of them, actually digress a little bit. Uh, the ba- The way to kind of get big uh, is through a lot of hard work, dedication and, um, c- catching the attention of, of some, you know, significant influencers is, is, uh, one way to kind of, uh, bring something to the table and also to literally bring a talent to the table that people are really intrigued with. So hmm. it's, it's there
0: tough. Oh, I bet. I bet. It's it really is tough, tough. Yeah.
1: So, oh, by the way, before you go on, just because, you, uh, sorry just because you brought up, well, how do people make it? How do people get big? I don't know if that should even be the question for your listeners. Mm -hmm. I think the question is, how do you find happiness? Um, how do you find joy in what you do and how do you make it a living? I think that that's very different. If you take that perspective and you're able to earn a living, you don't have to make it. There are so many people who have not made it, who are deeply, deeply happy about what they do and they earn a living and they have their fan base, their super fans and their supporters. And that's so much cooler than making it because you look at guys like Michael Jackson, the guy was miserable. he was miserable. he, he tells mm-hmm. people on interviews, I hated touring. he didn't enjoy it. and it's <laughs> everybody's dream to be on a stage in front of ten, uh, in front of like millions of people on li- you know live stream and on TV. And then in front of 100,000 people at a live concert. He hated it. So, guys, rethink your perspective.
0: Yeah. What, what is it? It's a quote by like Jim Carrey, I believe, where he says, Everyone wants to be famous until they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. then they realize that it sucks. All of a sudden, all the, there's a bunch of attention on you, and there's some mean people out there, especially in the online space. They're going to voice their opinion. And you have no clue who they are. I mean, if you probably sat down with them and had a normal conversation like you and I are, they're probably just a normal person. And thing is, is we kind of focus and it's blown out. And sometimes we don't even get the context of what they're saying, right? It's they write something down and. Maybe it's sarcastic. Maybe it's not. It's like, what is it, right? It's really hard to...
1: I've gotten haters all the, uh, so frequently. And, and on Facebook, uh, I actually started to just filter out the haters. So I'm like, I don't need you. Like, I'm, I just started blocking them. So now, literally everybody who comments and views is genuinely a fan and genuinely loves what I do, whether it's picking my nose or playing a concerto. They just... Like that's, that's how I want to manage social media. I don't, I'm not interested in millions of people with half of them being haters and bots. I'm interested in people who are genuinely authentically in love with what I'm doing, whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, And and that's what I'm looking to do and, and, and to continue to do and, and play, play for people live who care instead of, are just kind of using you for influence. You know, that's not Mm -hmm. really that's the fame thing that's that's the fame factor you're famous they don't necessarily care about you and what you're doing or what you're playing they care about your fame and they want to take Mm -hmm. a picture of you because you're famous but so what like why that's like you're that that's where the void is you know in the end it's like okay so who do you go home to you know taylor davis was uh she's being interviewed by the the paparazzi, whatever, the, you know, ch- uh, this award ceremony, and they're like, "So who are you going to go out with?" I saw you were like schmoozing with a bunch of guys and and a yeah. bunch of hot guys in the back, and like, who are you going to go home with tonight? And sh- she actually was irritated by the question, and she said said something like, "What do you mean? I'm going to go home to my cats." Like, <laughs> her point was, like, she doesn't live this lavish, exciting personal lifestyle. It's her public persona. And, you know, she goes home to her cats and it's the media that kind of creates this curated picture for the rest of us to like oogle over and drool over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and I think it's also, right, we, we have this desire for success, right? And we see someone that's been successful, right? And it's like, oh, I want that type of thing. So maybe maybe it's almost like you look at them and you're like, I'm going to take some of that, right? I want just, to just, even if I got a second, five seconds, I just want to take a little bit of that. But they don't realize, right, that yes, you get the glory, right, all that stuff. But on the other end of the spectrum, you got to work towards it. And that person put in hours that you just didn't see, right? And there's actually a saying I had a coach tell me when I played basketball. And he would tell me it's like, uh, you have to play thousands of hours alone like in an empty gym before you fill a stadium type of thing and oh yeah ultimately I think that is a real thing so
1: although in my case I was pretty much born on stage oddly enough <laughs> <laughs> I, like I, I every week I, I had private lessons and I had to rehearse on my own but I was doing recitals in front of not a thousand people but like a hundred people mm-hmm. two hundred people as a as a four-year-old as a five-year-old you know at the University of Buffalo it's it's like it's it's like deer in the headlights
0: <laughs> that was my upbringing so being on stage is kind of natural but yeah a little bit different for me I bet that helps but even even then you said that there's a lot of private lessons and right you were in on stage with hundred 200 people before you moved on to these big stadiums and other and it seems like you've moved more back to the kind of the smaller groups to see you live?
1: Yeah, I, I do I do both. Um you know the big festivals with like six thousand people, uh yeah, you know they, they come around every year and um and that, and then I'm doing a lot of private corporate events and I'm kind of mixing it up. Um, it's I guess the I guess the schedule that I'm running is more family friendly and is more mm-hmm. local oriented. Whereas touring would probably be a guarantee for me to lose the upbringing of my children. And, you know, I've got a three-year-old and 11-year-old and I have, uh, and I'm, I think that, you know, the, the trick to being successful in your career is being successful in your career while maintaining your personal life without dis- mm-hmm. creating dysfunction. And
0: that's like the 360 view that a lot of people miss. I agree. I agree. I think a lot of people, they don't live a balanced life and that's kind of what I'm going to use as the intelligent question of the day. And that's what aspects would you say make up a balanced lifestyle? And how would you suggest someone goes out and makes that actually happen? An actual reality?
1: Well, I think I could change that. That could vary from person to person. But the, the litmus test is looking at yourself in the mirror and, and being honest with yourself without any other outside judgment. Am I happy? You know, am I do I have joy in my life? Do I enjoy what I'm doing? And do I have a personal life that I actually find to be meaningful? Um, If if the only joy in my life is, I guess, in my case, being on stage in front of a thousand people where people are going to forget about me like the next week because I'm really just this phenomenon Um, and I have nobody to come home to except my cats, (laughs) you know, maybe Uh, There's something missing in the 360 holistic part of my life. If I feel joy, you know, if I feel genuine joy going home to my cats and that's all I need, then that's then I've fulfilled, you know, and and I and I'm succeeding career wise. And that's all I need. Mm -hmm. If I feel like, you know, I need a family and I need somebody who wants me to come home, then that part of that, that needs that void needs to be filled. And then I also you know need to see success in my career. So I think, again, it varies from person to person. Not everybody needs a family. Not everybody wants a family. Not everybody needs uh, uh, to be on a mega stage. Not everybody needs to be on national television, on you know, PBS. G- you know, I, success is is really defined
0: by the beholder, I guess, if you will. That That's the intelligent answer of the day. And I, I agree wholeheart- wholeheartedly. I think that, and that's a question I think that I ask a lot of, you know, my buddies, myself even, it's, how do you define success, right? And at the end of the day, you said it perfectly. You def- you define it, right? You define what success looks like to you. And if it's if it's on a stage, uh, performing for people, then go out and do that, right? That's your dream. You go and make that happen, make it a reality.
1: Can I just insert something? Yeah, go, ahead. You go In that context, I just want to state to to your listeners that and my listeners that. It's important to realize that that the pressure to to succeed and to get big are all those numbers that are on social media. It's like, oh, he's got a million followers, he's got a hundred thousand followers, twenty twenty thousand likes. But like, it's just, it's so, it's almost childless, childish. But it's it's a necessary prerequisite for the companies, these companies to succeed, and and therefore we need it, and it's representative of our success. But but then you can, you know, there are people that are also. They're making millions that they don't have those numbers on social media. Mm-hmm. And you got to realize it's not the vanity metrics. Um, it's for some, but not for all. Um, and there's a lot of successful people out there earning, and they have the prestige and the respect that maybe other people are looking for. And they think, oh, it's just the numbers. The numbers aren't going to get you there. Um, Mm -hmm. it's what's going on behind the scenes that the numbers sort of reflect because the algorithms have an API, for instance, just referring to the algorithms here, Mm -hmm. uh, that collects that data and kind of likes people to give people outside who don't really know what's going on credit for their success. Oh, it's the social media, it's Instagram,
0: it's the real that made them famous kind of thing. I agree. Thank you for adding that too. I think that's something a lot of people can benefit from. So Asher, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. I I appreciate. It. I learned a lot, and I'm sure the listeners also learned a ton as well. And I think got a boost of confidence too, that they can actually go out and create their version of success. So I hope if so. people, yeah, I, I think they will. <laughs> so if people want to get a hold of you, check out your work. What's the best way they can get a hold of you, find you, all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah. So uh, for starters, guys, you know, if you want to say hello, don't be shy. Um, I, you know, as long as it doesn't look like a spammy DM, uh, I'll res- I, ju- I respond. Uh, some people try to <laughs> whatever. Uh, Astrolab.com is is a great way, way to kind of like find out what I'm doing. And that directs you to Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, all my original music is on, um, Spotify, Deezer, iTunes, Amazon, blah. blah, 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 I go down a list. It's like a hundred different platforms, but, um, yeah, just, I, I love when people kind of stream my music, uh, and then they share it and then they, they share with me that they actually enjoy it. That really means the world to me. So again, don't be shy. Let me know, you know, just leave a comment and and I'll respond. And, uh, yeah, that's the best way to find me. Ashra Lob, L-A-U-B. And I,
0: uh, I look forward to connecting with you guys out there. Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you taking the Thanks time Thanks for having me. This. Appreciate you too. All right, everyone, as you can tell, that is Asher Lobb. He's a very intelligent person, has great things to say. I challenge you guys, if you heard anything you like today, to reach out to Asher, take his message. I'm sure he would love to hear from you guys. Stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. See you guys next week and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.